Look there in your Bible to 1 Corinthians in chapter 8. Just hold your place right here. 1 Corinthians in chapter 8. And uh, just look at this here a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Because this is a problem that the Apostle Paul had to deal with. Because some people do that, hey, it doesn't bother you what you eat. As long as you give thanks, you can eat it. And uh, there's people who did, and there's people that didn't. So he makes a statement in verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. In other words, you may know there's absolutely nothing wrong with me eating that meat. Whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, nothing's wrong with it. But not everybody has that knowledge. Everybody don't know that. He says, now, is it better because of your knowledge you can know it and it's right? And puff you up and say, I can do it because I have the right to do it and there's nothing wrong with it. But do you love the brother because what you do and take liberty to do because you have the right to do, but it might be detrimental to somebody else's faith because they, they don't know what you know. So he says, in verse 2, if any man think, so it has to do with the way a person's thinking. Any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. So love is going to make a difference in how you treat one another. Even though you know you have the right to do certain things, doesn't mean it's expedient for you to do so. That's mentioned in several places. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. In other words, you may have the right to do it, but it may not be profitable. So he says here in verse 4, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. We know there's only one true and living God, so whatever they're doing and offering some God, that there is no other God. You can eat that meat, nothing wrong with it. Okay, this is what Paul knew, and this is how Paul explained it, but he says not everybody has this knowledge. Not everybody knows this. Not everybody can do this with a clear conscience because maybe they've been doing it for how many years? And it's part of their life, part of their culture. Now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. And the Jewish people were going through the very same thing. And so he says here in verse 5, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us... There is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. So we know there's only one true and living God. There's only one Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we know that we have the freedom. We have liberty. But what you have to watch is, does your liberty become a stumbling block? Does your liberty cause other people that are weak in the faith to sin because their conscience is not where yours is? You may watch a program on TV and somebody says, oh, you ungodly sinner. And it may not bother him, but it might bother you. And very easy, you can set in judgment. You watch the game of golf, materialistic, so ungodly, men out there chasing around this little bitty white ball. 
Now, they don't care if they sit and watch the TV for five hours, but don't you go hit a little white ball for five hours. You see anything wrong with that? And people can become critical so easy. And God says, hold it now. Do you love each other? Try to be patient with those that don't see and understand everything that you know. But look what he says in verse 7. How be it there is not in every man that not. Not everybody knows the same thing. Not everybody has matured to the same degree. Some people don't know what's right and what's wrong. They, some just trust Christ as their Savior. And there's always a church that wants to put upon you all the rules and regulations and expect you to walk as a saint of 50 years, and you're not there. That's why I bend a lot of times with people, but I always snap back to my original position. I know where I'm trying to get God's people to go, but I can't make them. I have to win them. So I have to teach truth little by little by little by little and see you grow, and next thing you know, hey, you can see it for yourself. It is so good when some people begin to see things and correct things in their life on their own. Wouldn't that be great? But some people have to be nudged a little bit, but how you do it is so important. But it's so wonderful watching people grow in the Lord. But they don't do it overnight. A little here, a little that. And so that's what is really what God is talking about. But look at this also. See there in verse 7? Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience. So underline the word conscience because this is what we're talking about. Another person's conscience. Will what I do, even though I have the right to do it, it may bother somebody else's conscience. And you have to decide whether or not now, is that me doing this or not doing this, is it that bad that I need to either curb it or stop it, or uh, especially around certain people? And uh, you, though you know you have the freedom, you've got the liberty. But don't use your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. Don't use your liberty to cause other people to stumble just because, well, I've got the right, I can do it if I want. Yes, I know, but it may not be wise. Because somebody else may do the same thing you're doing and it causes them to fall because they're not as strong. So notice what he says here. In verse 8, he says, But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. Now, for your body, there might be certain things that you'll find out, okay, if I eat this all the time, it's not going to be good for me. How many of you like pizza? If you eat it three times a day, you may have a problem. I don't know what it is, but you might have one. I like ice cream. Betty lets me have just a little bit each night, just a little bit. But if I get too much, I'm going to have a problem. I won't be able to <laughs> walk down the aisle. <laughs> but, oh, do I love it. And she knows if I get just that little bit, I crave it. It is so good, and it is wonderful, and I look forward to that every night. I can't hardly wait. But there's some things, see, that you can do that's going to, that can hurt you. Now, you may say, I got the right to eat pork if I want. You sure do. But you may have to check and find out, is it going to give me high blood pressure? All that bacon? Oh, how good! But how much you do. Learn your body. Learn what's good for it and what's not good for it. But don't try to put all of your high standards upon somebody else and be mean and unkind because 
Well, I would never do that. Well, God bless your little pig-picking heart. Somebody else will. And just because you do or you don't doesn't make you better. Doesn't make you more spiritual. It doesn't make you more godly. So be careful. And notice what else he says here in verse 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are what? Now, if you don't care about the weak, do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about it. But if you care, changes everything. When you care about the teenagers, there's the things you're going to do and not do. You care about adults, there's things that you do and don't do. And so there's things that I have done and, and, and limited for myself over the years that I'm not saying somebody else has to do that. But I have to find out what will help me to be strong in the Lord. Now, somebody else, that may not be as critical for them, but it will be for me. And so, therefore, the more I want to be used, the more I have to watch myself and somebody else. So they're satisfied with whatever they get, and don't worry about it. So people are different. This is why, even in church, you build in a church or a ministry on the temporary dedication of God's people. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody stayed loving the Lord all the time with all their heart? Well, it would be great, but then you wouldn't need a preacher. People got problems. They got hang-ups. There's a perspective that they have. But now notice, when he makes his statement in verse 10, For if any man see thee, and this is what we're talking about, in the eyes of other people, any man see thee, which hath knowledge set at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. And you could cause a weaker person to stumble because a stronger person did it, but he doesn't have the same meaning to him that it may have to that weaker person. And some Christians won't be able to stand. And this is why it's so important. But understanding what God's saying, he says, when you do so against the conscience of a weaker brother and you wound his weak conscience, he says, you sin against Christ. Look what he says in verse 11. Through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren, wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. See how that's important. It's important to know that and to understand. Now go back there to the book of Romans. Back to Romans. And you'll notice when he makes the statement here in verse 2, all these things... Yes, some think it's okay and some think it's not. Verse 3, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let not him which eateth not judge him or condemn him that eateth, for God hath received him. See, God's already received him. He's God's child. And talk about into the fellowship of a church. If you're going to expect only the perfect mature people to become members of a church... Or a body of believers, how many you think you'll have? <laughs> and who's going to be the judge? So we let people who trusted Christ as Savior become part of a body of Christ here. Now you're part of the body of Christ because you trusted Christ as your Savior. But we want people to come because we want to help them grow stronger in the Lord. So there's nothing wrong with that. So notice what he says in verse 4. Who art thou that judgeth or condemns the other person, another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. See, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, and you decide, I want to serve the Lord. Well, the master and the servant, 
see, you're God's servant, and I'm God's servant. And so he's my boss, and he's your boss. We've got a boss. And that's the Lord that tells us what to do. And believe it or not, over the years, not saying this in a braggadocious way, I'm talking about it as the fact, thousands have trusted Christ as their Savior. I have not been able to hold every one of their hands and walk with them through life. I've had to lead them to the Lord, and, and some will stay, and some will go, and some I'll never see again. Now, see, I haven't raised these kids I do believe that God is able to raise his kids. And I found out sometimes you can go to church if the preacher isn't clear on the gospel or of the Christian life. That they have to come 10, 15 times before they finally get, okay, now I think I get it. And so you've got to sometimes visit with them all these times. When they used to come to ranch or they come to church, they got such a clear understanding of the gospel that they knew they were saved. And then they knew about the two natures. So they knew they were saved, but they knew they were having problems. So they understood why they did what they did. And that could help follow them up. Truth is a greater tag-along follower to helps a person to understand. The best follow-up program you can ever have is when people understand what God is saying. And they don't have you there to raise them. God is able to make them stand. Look what he says here. When he makes the statement in verse 4, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. That holding up means to be made to stand, made to stand. See, God is able to work in people's lives. I've always believed, I've never tried to be a, you know, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't want to play God in people's lives. I want to teach the truth and trust it to work. I believe that when you trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And the Holy Spirit cares more about you than I ever will. You may lead somebody to the Lord. Can I have a greater burden for the lost man than God himself? Can I love the lost man or the saved man more than God? So the Holy Spirit goes with them wherever they go, and I don't believe he just quits and gives up on people. And there's a lot of people along the way that they will meet, and somebody will say this and somebody will say that, and they will grow. I didn't have my father-in-law around me all the time to raise me in the Lord. He taught me a few things, and next thing you know, I lived in five states in a year and a half after I got saved. Five states in a year and a half. And in several places within those five states all the time. I was like a gypsy. I didn't want anybody to come tell me what I could and couldn't do. I was rebellious, but I didn't know I was. <laughs> I just thought, I'm just doing the best I knew how with the knowledge that I had. And finally... Somebody told me, says, Yankee, you need to go to Bible school. And lo and behold, I took their advice. And I, okay, next thing you know, I'm gone to Bible school. And I'm so glad that I did. So glad. But anyway, when you look at this here, and he's talking about these things, I want you to look at this. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. When he says that he is able to make you stand, he is able to 
to make you strong. Now, he's able to do all of these things, but it has to do with what do you want? Do you want to stand? Do you want to be strong? Do you want to grow? Do you want to be mature? Look what he says in verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he... You see, I believe a lot of these things that you read over in the book of Romans, they're all compatible. Because it's always talking about you're saved by grace and then the Christian life. And how you're going to struggle through life. And some people will grow and some people won't grow. Some people apply themselves, some won't. Some will be disciplined, some won't. And so I just try to take people as they come and as they go and whatever they're willing to give. And use them if they want to grow, fine. If you don't want to grow, it's between you and the Lord. I can't make you. So I won't force anybody to do anything. But if you voluntarily say, look, teach me, train me. Buddy, I'm going to try to do my dead level best to do just that. Now look what he says here. In the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, look what he says there in verse 13. The last part of verse 12 says, he that uh, take heed lest he fall. And then in verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Remember that. Who will not suffer or permit you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you, get this, may be able to bear it. He is able to make you stand. He's able to make you have a way of escape. He's able to do all of these things if you want it. But if you don't, you can harden yourself against the Lord. You can rebel against God. You can fight against God and resist God and go your own way, do your own thing. Of course you can. But there's a, a price to pay. Now, go back here to Romans in chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Remember, God can bless both people. Those who believe that I'm going to be a vegetarian. In other words... I'm going to eat meat. And God can bless both of them. Uh, hold your place right here. I want you to see this one verse. I just want you to see there in the last part of verse 6, where it says, He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. For he giveth God thanks. He giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. Both can thank the Lord. Lord, I thank you that I'm able to have these vegetables to eat. And the other guy, Lord, I'm so thankful that you let me eat some of this meat. And it's wonderful. I will be more thankful if I had steak to eat than them vegetables, though. But now I know that those vegetables might be better for me in the long run. But now should you sit in judgment upon somebody else that wants to eat the other? Let it alone. It's not going to make you more spiritual or unspiritual. Because that affects the body doesn't affect you spiritually. Now get this. Down here in verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. It's talking about you being persuaded that what you believe is the right, the truth. And therefore he says, He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And if he believes that, well... I think we ought to go to church on Sunday. Somebody said, well, I think we ought to go on Saturday. Didn't go to church on Saturday. I believe we ought to go to church on Sunday. And I wouldn't mind if we went to church every day of the week. Because, why? I'm here every day of the week anyway. 
So I don't mind having another service every day of the week. That'd be fine with me. But not everybody wants to come to church every day of the week. But in the beginning of the church, when God founded the church, in the book of Acts, they met daily. Yes or no? Every day. So therefore, we're going to meet every day. Well, you may be meeting alone, but you can if you want to. But I think a man ought to worship God every day. But one day is not, in God's eyes, more important than the other day. But we worship on the, or come together, upon the first day of the week. And there's reasons why we do that. But not everybody has the same. Now, did God say exactly what time we had to come to church on Sunday morning? Is it 6 o'clock in the morning? What about 11 o'clock? We have to be through by 12, right? Louis, I saw that. That's when he finishes the kids back there, and he wants to be through anyway. It doesn't say what time. It doesn't mean that we have to come every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. We can go any night we want. We can go as often as we want. But see, don't think because you do, others who don't must be very unspiritual and very ungodly. It may not be the truth. Not everybody is going to think exactly the same way. But because of love... You cut him some slack. Is God going to reward you and use you according to your confidence in the Lord and your conscience and your mind? And God's going to use them accordingly? Then what's the problem? Now, I want God to use everybody to the fullest extent. But it's not my call. Lord, the last thing I want is for you to use John John. Well, God may not honor that question. John, he may want to serve the Lord anyway. So God's going to use John John, not based upon my wish, but upon his desire. See, people are different. And you need to be patient with people who are now where you once were. Now, this is important to get. Down here at the bottom, when he says this, He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he that he eateth, giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. So whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord. You are still God's, and you belong to the Lord. He is your father, and you are his child. So whether or not you eat the meat, you may see the Lord earlier. If you eat all that meat, you're not, maybe not good for you. But there's decisions that you can make. If you can eat certain foods, and then you can run it off. And there's other foods you can eat, and you can do all the exercise you want. It seems like you never get rid of it. But none of us live unto himself. Now get this. In verse 9, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living, or master over those that are dead, and master over those that are living. You see, once you trusted Christ as your Savior, and you know you have eternal life, does the Lord want to be your master, the master of your life? Yes. Not for salvation, but He is the Lord, and that's who He is, and He wants you and I, He wants us to serve Him. And the more you love Him, the more you might see, the more you may want to discipline yourself. The more you want to prove to God how much you love Him, and so 
your dedication to the Lord is going to fluctuate back and forth based upon how much do you love the Lord. And some days you might love Him more than other days. Some days you're more obedient than other days. Some days you've got better control of your mind than you do at other days. Now get what he says here in verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When you get to heaven, is God going to reward you for what you did? He's not going to reward you for what the other person did. He's going to reward you for what you did. You make sure you serve the Lord. And try not to do anything in your Christian life that would cause somebody else to stumble or fall along the way. Have Christian liberty. Give them some freedom to mess up their lives. You see, you can't stop everybody from making bad decisions. It'll drive you nuts trying to. You just got to teach the Word and trust the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. But you can't make people do right. You can't make people love God. You can't make people strong in the Lord. That's a decision they have to make. You just always be willing to help them and not to do something that would cause them to be weaker in the Lord. You want them to be strong. We'll continue this, of course, later. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wall represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God loves us. Hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. Now God wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven we have to be perfect as righteous God. No sin. But we've all sinned. And we cannot save ourselves. It's not by any good works that we do. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He doesn't have any sin because he never sinned. He's perfect. He's righteous. He's just. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And he says the only thing we have to do is to believe that he did it for us. So when you believe he did this for you, then you have a payment for all of your sins. So the reason you don't have to go to hell to pay for sins because you already paid for them. I have already paid for all of my sins. Christ did it for me. He was my substitute. That's why I don't have to pay for them. And he said that if I believed it, he would give me as a free gift eternal life. I go to heaven on what Christ did. He makes you as perfect, as righteous as God. Good to go. That's news in the world. Let's pray, shall we? The heads bow, eyes closed, no one looking around. And if you're watching by internet tonight, we know we have a lot of people that watch. And we want to be a blessing. And we hope more than anything else in the world that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you would trust Him right now as your only hope of going to heaven. God said He'll never cast you out, never lose you. Would you trust Him? I pray that you will. Father, we ask your blessings upon each person here. We ask, Father, your blessings upon those that watch by internet, that if you've never trusted your Savior, they'd do so right now, believing that when you died, you died for them, and that you'll give them everlasting life as a free gift. And we also pray, Lord, concerning these things we discussed tonight, that those that are mature in the Lord are stronger, but be patient with those that are weaker. And those that are weaker, we pray, Lord, they would be maybe critical of those that are older. But Father, help us to be patient with one another and to love each other as we should. Use us for your honor and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.